Think for a second about a song or an album you loved when you were a teenager. Imagine yourself back then, who you were, what clothes you wore, who you were with. It's no secret that our favorite music can transport us back to some of the most important moments in our lives. Millions of aging Americans in long-term care facilities face cognitive and physical difficulties, and they've left behind their familiar surroundings, familiar faces, and even their favorite music. Studies overwhelmingly show that music can activate regions of the brain affected by illnesses like Alzheimer's and dementia. But according to the experts, it's not as simple as playing any old song out loud in a nursing home. Our podcast guests today say that just like in medical specialties like palliative care, the key to success is in the personalized approach. Today we're going to hear about a program called Music and Memory, which trains care professionals on how to set up personalized music playlists for patients. The songs are delivered on iPods and other digital devices. The ultimate goals are to improve care, bring joy to the patient's lives, and help them regain parts of themselves they thought were lost. We'll also hear from a representative of a partner program called Caring Kind, New York City's leading expert on Alzheimer's and dementia caregiving. Let's go now to our conversation. I'm really excited to do this podcast with you. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here today to talk about such a, a fantastic program. But before we begin, uh, let me ask you to introduce yourselves so um, the audience can get to know you. So, Dan, you want to start? Sure. Uh, so my name is Dan Cullen. I'm the founder and executive director of Music and Memory. Um, and Music and Memory advocates for the use of personalized music uh, to help folks with um, dementia um, or other cognitive and physical issues to just have a better um, life experience. I'm Meredith Wong, manager of the Connect to Culture program at Caring Kind in uh, New York. I connect families that we serve and families across the five boroughs to the cultural institutions and cultural resources that we have here. Thank you so much for, for doing this. I want to start all the way back and zoom out from everything. And I'm always fascinated on, uh, about things that, that start you know, at nothing and then turn it into such an amazing thing. So where did this idea come from? What, was, what does day one look like when we start thinking about the origin of music and memory? Day one would really be um, when I was listening to the radio and a journalist was talking about iPods were ubiquitous. They're everywhere. And I thought, well, that might be true for young people and a lot of adults, but it certainly wasn't true for older people, especially older people who might be um, in some sort of care setting. Um, and so I Googled iPods in nursing homes, and even though there are 16,000 nursing homes in the U.S., I couldn't find one that was giving people their own music. Um, and so I called up a facility near my house. I live on Long Island uh, and a 600-bed county uh, facility, and I said, look, I know music's already your number one recreational activity. You have live musicians come in. You do karaoke. You have a lot of stuff going on. But can we see if there's any added value if we were to, to totally personalize each person's uh, music? And they said, sure, come in. I came in with my laptop and three iPods, and it was just an instant hit with each of these people. They just lit up when they got their music. But why music? And, and so when you're listening to the radio and you hear about, you know, iPods are the, the new thing, you know, why did you connect that right away um, to, to nursing homes? So I'm a social worker, but I also have a career in technology companies. So I've always been very interested in um, making sure people have access in different ways. And I thought in, in the 80s, we talked about the digital divide. If you were poor, you didn't have access to computers as much as if you were rich. And so now we have this 
thing called music that we all listen to outside, and why should you be in a nursing home and sort of be in digital lockdown or digital isolation from everybody around? The professionals all have their access, but you don't. And so I thought, well, this might be a, a place to just uh, dovetail the, uh, my, my love of technology with my, my love of music. I know that a lot of research uh, talks about how music can help dementia patients, uh, Alzheimer's patients, uh, any, anyone with a, um, a cognitive disability. I know that a lot of research went into that. So, you know, what were you aware of at the time in terms of the research back then um, and, and understanding how it helped? I really wasn't aware. I really started uh, looking it up, and I, I found uh, the, the research uh, Dr. Linda Gardner had done music around individualized music in reducing agitation, uh, and actually it was on the New York State Department of Health website 10 years ago uh, recommending, based on this evidence-based research back then, that every nursing home resident in the 650 nursing homes should have access to their music. Uh, but in reality, there was no money there behind that. There was no real recommendation to do it from the state or no requirement to do it. And how would you do it anyway? Um, nobody really had a sort of a path to that. So nothing happened. Um, and so I said, okay, so that's the beginning. One day I hope to have more research. And yes, there's been a lot of research around music and the brain, music and health, but that might have been the Mozart effect or classical music. But, you know, everybody doesn't go for that. And, you know, so uh, what happens if people have their own music? And, and so now there's a, a, an abundant, you know, there's abundant research around that. The research be- continues to evolve and improve. And I, and I imagine support this, what this program is after. Yes. So there are really a number of research studies looking at antipsychotic medications. UC Davis did a three-year study. It's actually the world's largest study uh, around music and dementia, more than 4,000 elders uh, participating in 300 nursing homes. But what they found was, yes, clinically and statistically significant reductions in antipsychotic use, uh, anti-anxiety, antidepressant, also in the reduce in the number of falls and reduction in pain. Um, other studies, uh, one we did with Stony Brook University Hospital, we found one of our nursing homes when people with advanced dementia were no longer able to swallow or they would choke frequently uh, when they had music 30 minutes before, somehow they recalled how to swallow again. So the incidence of choking uh, went down and their, um, the appetites were increased when they were listening to their music. Um, there's a research that's a brain imaging research, University of Utah Alzheimer's Brain Imaging Center, and they had people listening to their own music, um, and they found that the salience network in the brain, which is sort of very quiet um, or for people with more advanced dementia, really came active, and that intra-brain communication really increased, which signals just sort of, there's a sort of raw data of, well, look at this impact on an important part of uh, brain function. University of Kansas Medical School looked at uh, the impact of patients who have their music and, and how they receive treatment uh, better. Brown University uh, has a five-year uh, National Institute on Aging grant, $3.5 million grant. Uh, they finished year one looking at music and memory specifically, not so much to just, oh, does this work? Because everybody's in agreement. Yes, it works, and the research is there. But how do you integrate it into um, into the system, into healthcare settings, into nursing home settings? That's really interesting, the, you know, making sure it's top of mind for caregivers and clinicians as well, because it almost seems like an extra thing. It's recreational, or eh, I put on music at some point, but, you know, what you're saying is that the research shows that it's actually integrated with everything else that's being done. It can be very effective. Yes, in fact, so, and and it helps their job. So in addition to the benefits for the participant, 
if somebody for the nurse, the CNA, um, the nursing assistant, um, has a much more cooperative um, patient, resident, um, and therefore they're going to get through the day more, you know, people bathing without a battle. I mean, yes, give people their music before it's time to bathe for someone who's going to be resistant, perhaps. Um, I mean, a story where one really big guy, it was time, he had to get bathed, and so it took three people to, come on, let's get time to get bathed, and where's this music? I don't know, I don't know, you know? So they found this music, they put the headphones on, and then he stood up and he walked and he got bathed. I mean, so, you know, it's those kinds of transformative things, or this has also been very good for people with uh, for the full range of intellectual and developmental disabilities. The Texas uh, healthcare system uses this through all 13 of their IDD facilities, 3,000 residents, because it had such dramatic results in terms of um, significantly reducing um, uh, negative behaviors, by, actually by half, and increasing by 8x uh, positive behaviors, and people are just calmer and more engaged. Meredith, when you think about the program, what is your reception to this originally? So you hear this idea, what was your first reaction? I think my, my uh, instinct was to say, well, we all listen to music, or many of us listen to music on our own. And if I'm feeling in the dumps, or if I'm having a, a funny day, put on a piece of music, I know what my go-to music is. So if I want to lift, that's what I do. I, I choose my music, and it gives me a lift. So why, why wouldn't this impact a family, impact the caregiver, caregivers, as well as someone who is, um, who is demented? So intriguing. Integrating this into a family's experience, um, and that is to say the whole family's experience. It's not just the person with the disease, but the people around them. It really does have a positive, positive effect. Um, and it's speaking to the person with the, the disease and the family and their experience together. Because a lot of what I do is I um, talk to cultural institutions to create um, programs for everyone in that experience, in that family. Um, and ha to have that shared experience is such an important piece of it, to keep everyone involved, um, not just in the medical clinical part, but in the quality of life part. My grandmother suffered from uh, dementia for a while, and, and I just, you know, I totally agree with you when it, when it comes to the family, because you want to do something to help. You're grasping at anything, and if you can get them to laugh just once you're you're driving home smiling like I, I got them to laugh I did something because you feel so helpless it is such a uh, a thing where you don't feel like you can do enough you, you've lost control and so I imagine that when you're able to add the customization element with the songs where they can pick the songs for their loved one that changes the game and I think it's interesting it's like when technology meets the need right so the the iPod introduces this idea of we can upload thousands of songs and choose whatever they are, and we can make playlists. So I think that's, that's a really interesting element. It is, and, it's, and through this process, um, we're getting to know the family from a different perspective. It's what are the interests of the person you're caring for? What, are, what was their profession? What was, uh, where did they grow up? What was their culture? Uh, what was their primary language? So it's, it's really having that conversation that's um, what we like to call a deeper dive. So you're... you're um, we're asking the caregivers to gather this information, to put it into um, maybe basically a list form, tell them, tell them, tell us all of that information, and then we take that information and create this playlist. So it was, it's been fun that way, um, and then just kind of seeing how that ties everything together 
within a, a playlist, you know, a 45-50 minute playlist, um, I have heard back from families that this has been a lifesaver. Uh, Dan, I'm interested, so again, I'm interested in the spread of this. So the idea uh, starts and you're able to make some partnerships. How do you go from that initial idea to where we are now, which is a pretty remarkable organization with a lot of people uh, around the world that are, are participating? I think the support of uh, foundations, the Shelley and Donald Rubin Foundation initially, they were the first funder, allowed me to try this you know, with 200 people because sometimes people would say, Dan, what you're doing, putting headphones on people, it's going to isolate them even more. This is not a good idea. You're hurting people. And so when we had the opportunity to give 200 people across four nursing homes their music, and the 33 professional staff said, oh, no, nobody was really more isolated from what they could tell, but boy, were people more social oh, you got to hear this song, or this reminds me of when I met my husband. So, you know, there's a lot of that. People overall were less agitated, more cooperative, in less pain, more articulate in their speech, all things that music tends to impact. There's a video on your website, and we talked about it offline before we began. Uh, the gentleman's name is Henry, uh, older gentleman, and in the beginning of the video, he's a bit isolated, a bit agitated. He's not answering a lot of questions. The... Music goes on, uh, I think it was his daughter, right, who chose gospel music for him, and his eyes pop open, and suddenly he's singing. He takes off the headphones afterwards, and suddenly he's answering questions about the music he loves. He's quoting lyrics. He's quoting his favorite artist. He starts singing perfectly, remembering all the lyrics. You know, I had tears rolling down my, my cheeks, and I, I said out loud, wow. And I imagine that, you know, to your point, when you meet resistance, all you really have to do is just have someone sit and watch. I mean, that's really the point. There's nothing like seeing it in action. The Henry video, which is the most viewed video around dementia and Alzheimer's globally at 62 million views, accomplishes just that. And the follow-on documentary, Alive Inside, um, which won the Sundance Audience Award, which means of the 4,000 U.S. documentaries submitted to the Sundance Film Festival, the 50,000 people that descended on Park City, Utah, picked this as their favorite. Uh, and so between the two of them, it's just done a wonderful job in uh, communicating um, not just that oh, music is good for people with some form of dementia, but that people with dementia are really still there and their emotional systems are so very much intact that no matter what, how advanced their dementia is, just near death, um, I mean, people die with their headphones on. This is what they want. This is what they ask for, um, or this is what the family asks for, um, because they're listening to what they love. And what happens when people get their music, our goal is not, the end goal is not necessarily to put headphones on people's heads and listen to their music. It's to use the music as an accelerant to relationships. Because when people have their music, they're more communicative, they're more open to be, they're more comfortable with themselves, and they're more likely to be speaking and interact. Um, and that's the big win. You know, happiness is defined by having at least a few good relationships with people. But as you shut down and you lose your friends and family and you also lose the ability, people are afraid to come visit you. you oh, you have Alzheimer's, they're not going to come. And then even if you're at home, they're not coming. And then when you go to a assisted living or a nursing, oh, good, they're being taken care of. Now I definitely don't have to go, which is the worst possible thing for them. Um, the, the, the music helps to go against, change the dynamic the other way. And that's why we're, we're, we have a very strong uh, program 
program to promote intergenerational activity, get students, we have Music and Memory College chapters, um, high school students going in, spending time sitting down, headphone splitters, sharing music together, um, and people, of course, you know, do that, do this at home, um, and do this uh, also in a variety of health settings where this works. I love the collaborative nature of it. The, the splitting is fantastic because you're sharing it together and kind of looking at each other and, and, and nodding to the beat. Yeah. Meredith, when you think about the program, you know, what's a story that, that sticks out to you or something you saw that really made you see the value uh, of music and memory? Well, when we first uh, signed on to partner with Dan and, um, and Music and Memory, um, we actually did a film, uh, made a film with you about this new pilot program called uh, Music and Memory at Home. So it is, it is the, the similar idea of bringing personalized music to the families, but we're doing it directly into their homes um, as opposed to bringing it to the, a healthcare facility. So um, during this filmmaking, um, we had opportunities to meet with families and uh, film them while they were using these kits. And when I say kits, it's this box of resources. Um, Dan mentioned earphones. Uh, there was a digital music player. There's also a Bluetooth speaker, um, which is a fantastic addition uh, to this resource. Um, so while we were filming, we uh, there was one couple, an older couple, where the husband had just come out of the hospital and was in his room um, in a hospital bed. His wife um, had been caring for, for him for many, many years. Um, and he was um, nonverbal. So we met and talked. I talked with the wife a little bit. I think the, her sister was also there to, uh, as a caregiver. And we had put together a playlist, brought it into the home, we sat down and turned on the speaker, put the music on the speaker, and in that playlist was a song that they had um, listened to and danced to during their wedding. Um, at the reception. The wife was in the room. I was sitting next to this person with dementia, fairly advanced dementia, and we were listening to this playlist. And I, I didn't know which song this was, um, but it was, it was obvious. The minute that song came on, he looked at me. That connection where that, that eye contact was, imme- it was immediate. The first few bars of that song, it was immediate. And he, he had a sweater on, and I had a sweater on, and he, and he reached over and he went like, and he just kind of tugged at my, my sweater and then rested his hand on my arm. And he sang. He started to sing. That whole remembering the lyrics, every single word, clear as day. I happen to know the song. <laughs> so we sat there for three or four minutes singing this song. And it was, it really tugged at my heartstrings. Um, but it, it's this whole idea of being in the moment. It, he, was in, he was in it. He was in that moment. So his wife was standing next to him, and she was singing and kind of tearing up, and it, it was just kind of this bubble where they were back on their wedding day singing the song. That is unbelievable. And was there you know, a few seconds or minutes afterwards, after the song is over, you know, was, it, was it still there? It was still there. We finished singing. The song stopped. There was a little pause before the next song. And we were still in that space. They were still in that space. And he, he was smiling. And you could tell that even though I've heard 
um, caregivers say, oh, that's not my mom anymore. She's, she's gone. That's not the person I grew up with. This person is in there. They're, they're definitely in there. And, and this is just a way to access that person. What an unbelievable story. Dan, is there, is there a moment for you that, that sticks out? And, and, you know, I know you've been doing this a while, so you probably have seen it a lot. But was there an initial moment that really made you say, this is a really strong idea. I think we actually have some legs here to, to do this. Well, I said uh, I was at Cobble um, um, Hill Nursing Home, and I said, uh, so do you have any residents that are sort of challenges in terms of getting distressed and such? They said, yeah, we have somebody, and uh, but we, you know, well, what do you think, you know, can we find out what his, he likes in terms of music? And they said, well, we really don't know. There's no family easy access, and, um, and he can't really articulate his preferences. They, they said, but he is a veteran. Um, and so they made up a list. Oh, and so and the, the problem was he would, you know, knock over the water, the food coming. He'd be cursing at staff all the time. And it was very distressful, of course, for him, clearly, but for staff and everybody else. And so um, knowing that he liked patriotic songs, as soon as they put them on, he just came to attention and started humming to the music. And that was it for the, you know, acting out or whatever. Um, and so they would just keep using that. Um, and they, then one day he said, oh, I used to watch John Wayne movies with my dad. Um, and then they you know, started showing him John Wayne movies. And so as long as they were doing both those things and didn't stop for too long, you know, if they stopped for too long, you know, come back, you know, the other behavior. But um, so that was just, a, to me, it, it told me, wow, just, just so much change with so easily done. Um, but we had to get to the right song. We couldn't just put on anything. Right, so that's the idea. Sometimes people default to, oh, everybody here is, you know, average age in nursing home is 83, we'll just play big band. And then they got that 50-song loop of, you know, Rat Pack kind of thing playing. Um, and, uh, and that's not it. You know, I mean, the, one of the first assisted living memory care units I went into, and, uh, and I described to the nurse in charge, and, and she points to the ceiling, and she says, see, I, we're playing, you know, good music. And Frank Sinatra is playing. I looked down around the room, and almost everybody just had their heads down, you know, and just some of them drooling. And so, no, th- th- that was not it. You know, it's not just playing of their era. It's, it's for all of us. Think of the music we want to listen to, or we do listen. We only listen to the music now we want to, for how long we want and when we want. And we would want the same thing later in life. We don't want somebody picking out music for us. Because it's really specific. I mean, if you were to come up with a list, think of your favorite genre of music and write your top five favorite musicians or groups, and then say to a family member or a coworker, hey, this is my top, this is my favorite genre of music. I want you to try to guess my top five favorite musicians. Are they going to be able to guess all five? No. Four? No. Three? No. And some people, you know, one or two, or maybe three, whatever. But generally, when I do this, you know, in, in, with an audience, uh, no, you know, so people, so we have now this new ability to get real specific, um, just the way we're as specific, so we want to just give that same to everybody we uh, help um, start a playlist. And again, I see a lot of relationships with palliative care, because when we talk about palliative care, the word that comes up the most is, is listening. You know, it's taking the time to sit with the patient and just listen, what, what's going on, what's bothering you? Instead of saying, I'm the clinician and I'm going to tell you what's wrong and here's your chart and everything... It's just listening, and to me, that is the key word for music and memory. If we don't listen to what makes them smile or makes them feel something, we're not going to be successful. So here's where the music, because it's so immediate, um, it helps drastically with 
resist, reducing resistance to care. Um, but also, I like to look at it if somebody has pretty advanced dementia or becomes delirious. They have dementia. They, they have to go to the hospital. They become, as soon as you strap them in uh, to the gurney, they become delirious or in them. And then when the doctor comes and says, what's wrong, they're screaming. And then, okay, we'll give them an antipsychotic to calm them down instead of, oh, let's get you know, her music. And so she'll be, have the headphones on. If she gets on the gurney, goes to the emergency room, and she'll be clear, as clear as she can be, say, it's my stomach. Mm. Ah, so you just eliminated a raft, uh, you know, of unnecessary tests, and you, and it helps the doctor focus more and gets a proper, more responsive patient. What's that going to do in mass to you know uh, assessing what's wrong uh, and treating it more quickly? Meredith, uh, I want to ask you about uh, music and memory in the home, and uh, I think it's it's something that makes a lot of sense, but I can imagine is difficult to implement, you know, because. You can go into an institution and you can, you know, help train staff and you can make things a bit uniform. But every home is different. Every situation is different. So tell me about uh, this initiative and where we are now with it. We introduced this idea and this kit to the families who come to us through. Uh, we started out with family caregiver workshops and training, um, and then we expanded to some of the professional trainings that we do. And so it, w- it took a little bit of kind of finagling and negotiating how this was all going to work. Um, but I think we've kind of leveled off so that we have a kit. We will show it to our families, talk a little bit about it, um, say what the value is of bringing these kits and this music into your home. It isn't difficult to use. If you're not technology savvy or not as savvy as you want to be, Um, or feel that you need to be, then we have someone at the office who can kind of walk you through the kit. So as I mentioned before, there's a Bluetooth speaker, the music, uh, digital music device, and the the Bose headphones. The great thing about this particular kit is that, again, it's a shared experience. It can be a shared experience. So if a family needs to go to the doctor's office or is out and about, those times are oftentimes where um, anxiety kind of kicks in. So this is a way to kind of um, calm that person or to distract that person. Hey, mom, um, let's see what's on the on the music playlist today. And you can, it's all it's all fairly um, portable. So it's while it's been in kind of a negotiation with these families, the feedback that I've gotten from some of the caregivers that have used used this kit at home has been, I can't believe I didn't do this before. Um, Mom used to listen to NPR. She used to listen to other radio shows from home. Home might not have been the U.S. It might have been the DR, the PR, the or wherever the Caribbean or or somewhere in the United States, where that regional music is maybe no longer accessible on through the radio or through other media. Part of this is being a music detective, so it's up to me or to whoever, whoever is creating these playlists to do the research, to see what are the maybe the most popular music or songs from a certain area in a certain region of a certain country. Um, so it's, it, it, that's kind of the fun part for me, is to kind of learn about these different genres, and then to hear back from the family to say, um, we either, would you mind adding music these songs or taking these songs off and we can kind of uh, be flexible about what is on that playlist we can build on that playlist or now 
uh, with the new digital music players, the families can do that themselves. Mm. So it, it gives accessibility to family caregivers as well as the person with dementia through, um, through this music. And it sounds like it's an ongoing process. So it's not like you make one playlist and then you walk away. It, right. It's always changing, just like with our own musical tastes. We can get tired of music, even our favorite music. And so it, it's always something that's evolving. Exactly. And so, uh, Dan, just to wrap up, you know, you talked about, you know, uh, the population you're, you're meeting right now. But it seems to me like you're the kind of person who's not just going to, to sit back and, and be okay with that. What's, what's your goal for the next five, ten years of music and memory? What would you love to see happen? I'd really love to see, I'm talking to one of the states about this, where they want to, everybody in the state have their music, everybody who's served by the healthcare system. So they have the kid at home, they could be healthy, happy, uh, and then something happens, heart, cognitive, whatever, um, and uh, when they go to the hospital, well, they'll bring their, their music player with them and they'll know how to use it and adopt it and take care of it. And if they go then from there to a nursing home or assisted living or back to the hospital, as they go, the music follows them and it, it, uh, it improves their experience through every, every location. So that's, and, and to have the, um, um, the schools and the students involved, to have, we have nursing, uh, it's built into now a nursing, um, uh, student nursing programs, OT programs, who get involved with this as well. They say it's a great way for student nurses to be introduced to folks with dementia. They have no necessarily understanding of aged and dementia uh, population. So it's also really good for workforce development. So we have a big problem in this country having talented young people so they want to work with our elders. And when they work with the music and they go into a nursing home, they go, oh, no, this is great. I, this is what I want to do. And so we get uh, just a little, we increase that, that interest level. So we're really looking to fill this out, and there's a lot of work to do around that, and so that's what we're focused on.